the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. As promised last week, I am back. This is A Different Perspective, and I am Kevin Randall. I am joined this week by Greg Bishop, who has been lurking around the UFO world for eons, and I don't know why we hadn't spoken much before now, but uh, we had a nice conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it might be a good time to chat with him on the radio. Uh, I learned from looking at his bio- biography, bi- biography. I don't know why I cannot talk when I get on the radio. It's just impossible for me. Um, I learned that he is interested in facts that don't fit from an early age, and in 1991, Greg co-founded a magazine called The Excluded Middle which was a journal of UFOs, conspiracy research, psychedelia, and new science. It ceased publication in 1999, so it had a nice run there. Uh, Wake Up Down There, which uh, anthologized many of the articles and features, was published in 2000 by Adventures Unlimited. Greg's second book was Project Beta, the story of Paul Benowitz, national security, and the creation of the modern UFO myth which is a lot to say. Um, it was published by Simon & Schuster in 2005, which uh, also was part of, uh, I guess I should say Pocketbooks is also part of Simon & Schuster, which had a hand in this. And it documented the government campaign of disinformation um, perpetrated against the unsuspecting US, U.S. citizen. Weird California, a portrait of the strange and eerie history and places in the Golden State, the Golden State, was released by Sterling Publishers and Barnes and Noble in 2006. Uh, Greg contributed about 75% of the material to the fo- photos. I don't mean to make fun of the Golden State. It's just uh, a weird, I guess, nickname for California. From December 2007 to November 2011, Greg blogged for the UFO and paranormal site UFO Mystic. His current book, It Defies Language, is composed of the most important part of the uh, most 
for the most part of entries from the blog, along with older material and brand new articles written just for the collection. For two years, Greg has uh, hosted the Country Ghost, a radio show of interviews and music airing on the Pirate FM station KBLT in Los Angeles. His current show, Radio Mysterioso, can be heard at Radio Mir Radio MysterioMysterioso.com. Uh, interviews with Fringe. You should pick a, t a title that's easier to say. That's all I'm going to say about that. Radio Mysterioso. Uh, interviews with Fringe topic researchers and weird music and the usual fare. Now that I've wasted most of the first segment, uh, blundering my way through that. <laughs> Welcome, Greg Bishop, to whatever the heck this program is called. A different perspective. That's what it is. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, that's kind of a long intro. I guess I should I, I should uh, edit that down a little bit. I mean, I guess not everything is relevant and important, but uh, you've got pretty much all the all the high points there. Well, I could have edited it myself as well. So just to uh, he's been interested in facts that don't fit. Here's Greg uh, Bishop. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Uh, I know the lame question everybody always says, how did you get started in this? But I'm going to avoid that question. Okay. And ask you, ask you at the current current world, realizing we have less than two minutes left before the uh, first break. Yeah. What uh, what cases interest you in today's world? I don't know if I'm interested so much in cases because cases have been logged for fifty some sixty seventy whatever long time decades. And all it's taught us is something we already know. There's something weird that flies around in the skies that occasionally interacts with us and that we don't know the origin of, although we make um, we make some guesses. Um, so cases, I don't suppose, interest me as much. What more interests me is how we react to cases and what our physiology and our memory and our, our senses and all, all do when a UFO um, case happens. So my biggest question right now is what causes UFO reports? Not, not how to study it better, not how much more scientific can we be. I think a lot of the, the big problem here right now is, or at least the problem as far as I'm concerned and interesting to me is how do we react to the paranormal and why do we re react the way we do? And what does that tell us about ourselves? Because I think we need to find out about ourselves before we make any assumptions about what's causing the reports, if that makes any sense. It does make sense, and we'll touch on it when we come back, but i got to take my first break here. As usual, I always mention this. There will be more information available at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and you can take a look at uh, Greg's website at radiomysterioso.com. We will be back right after this. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. 
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Everybody in the world who hosts a radio program, a TV program, or whatever says, we are back. So, we are back. Welcome to a different perspective Second segment, I guess I'd say, coming to you from beautiful downtown Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, or beautiful uptown or somewhere around Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, indirectly, I guess. I'm joined by Greg Bishop, who I introduced a moment ago. He is the host of Radio Mysterioso, which I think I got out without stumbling over it this time. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. When we went away, we were talking about your lack of interest in cases but more so your interest in what, how people react to it. And you gave us a brief definition about that and what that, but what, what do you look for um, in a UFO report about the reactions of the people, for example? Uh, in, to the extent that I look at UFO reports, I'm more interested in the ones that are extremely strange and not really um, what you would expect because I've got this intuition that's, some of the more strange things that happen probably reveal more about the phenomenon than we think because of our tendency to put things in categories and our tendency to uh, to um, filter things out that don't quite fit. I think there's, well, I don't have to think. I know there are, there's far more fascinating cases and effects from what people call abductions than most people would care to admit it, if, especially abduction researchers. They throw out a lot of strange things that they don't think will make the case look good or whatever, and they have to do with psychic episodes. They have to do with um, poltergeist-like phenomena. They have to do with um, life changes and and uh, what happens to people after these things happen to them. Um, that, well, to you, me, is you, far are, more are interesting. You, are you suggesting the abduction phenomena not might, might not be extraterrestrially based but is more more terrestrially based? Uh, I'm suggesting that we should not have any assumptions about it while still looking at it and listening to people's um, reactions and their reports and their their impressions without tracking them. And I know that's really hard to do, especially, you know, the way we're taught to do things. But um, I don't know what causes them. I really don't. I've, I've got a very strong suspicion after talking to people for many years, talking to abduction researchers, that it is an external source. I mean, people make the mistake that I, I'm saying, oh, people are all making it up in their minds and hallucinating it. That is not what's going on. I, to be sure, I, I suppose that's part of it. But um, the, the core experience, there, there is something there that's external to the witness. I'm, I'm almost certain of that. When you say something external to the witness, I'm, I'm thinking, and I know from my own research into the abduction phenomenon, that one of the triggers for it is something known as sleep paralysis, mm-hmm. which is a phenomenon that wasn't really well known when the Barney and Betty Hill case came about, which 
may not be sleep paralysis at all, but became better, I guess, better known uh, with the publication. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick. Sorry, kids. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. ...of the book, um, The Terror That Comes By Night, uh, and uh, the author's name escapes me at the moment. Yes, I uh, have that book. As do I. So you understand what I'm saying. But, but, mm-hmm. but sleep, sleep paralysis... Uh, when you look at the symptoms of it, seems to be a good explanation for some of the abduction phenomenon. Have you found that yourself? Yeah, it, it, it is. It's a great explanation for some. Every idea that people seem to come up with in, in ufology, and particularly in ufology, but to some extent in the other you know, paranormal uh, areas, uh, research areas, it never fits all the data. But the thing is that uh, people ignore the parts that they don't like instead of looking at the entire picture. No, sleep paralysis is a great explanation for some of what's going on during what people call abductions. And it might be what's going on in a great deal of them. Um, But I don't think it answers all the questions such as, you know, um, how does this happen to multiple people? How do you explain the physical uh, manifestations? uh, marks on people's bodies, all things like that. I don't know if that's coming from aliens, but I don't think sleep paralysis explains all of that. Do you have have you mentioned that uh, in I guess a public forum that sleep paralysis may explain some of the abduction phenomena? The reason I ask that is I'm more interested in what your re- what the reaction of people is to your suggestion of that. I've mentioned it to the extent that anybody really asks about it. I've mentioned it. And, of course, the reaction is what you'd expect. It's extreme hostility from people that believe the standard alien abduction thing. And, you know, cheering and, and, and stomping from people that are completely against it and think there's nothing to it whatsoever except police pro- blah, sleep paralysis. So that's part of the reason my magazine is called Excluded Middle, because... I don't really consider myself in either of those camps. I'm just gonna, I'm very interested in the phenomenon, but I don't. At this point, I'm trying not to have a what you, what would you call it? I I I have an extreme agnosticism about what the cause might be because um, if I if I don't have that, I think I'm going to start tracking myself down a uh, a theory, and the theory is not going to hold in every every instance. And so keeping my mind completely open about what might be going on is, is far more interesting to me. Well, I've thought for a long time, and I've noticed this, um, Russ Estes, Bill Cohn, and I did a book called The Abduction Enigma yes. two, two, two decades ago. And we suggested that sleep paralysis was part of the problem. And the reaction was complete hostility. Nobody wanted to hear any of that, even though we prefaced it by saying, this does not explain every abduction case. It explains some of those and the symptoms of sleep paralysis matched the abduction phenomenon. And nobody seemed to be um, attempting to set up some kind of protocol to separate sleep paralysis from 
other kinds of abduction. Although Catherine, Catherine Martin had said at one point they were trying to develop such a protocol, and I don't know if they were ever, ever successful. But that was why I asked that. And, and, and in the course of the book, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something out here which will garner, or garner great hostility, which, <laughs> which is what I thought of more of a throwaway statistic uh, as we were looking at the um, people who had claimed alien abduction, and we found that there was a disproportionate number of people who identified as homosexuals in, in, in the population, the abduction population, and we thought that was a bizarre statistic, wondering if there might be some uh, relationship between believing you've been abducted and homosexuality or a lack of sexual preference whatsoever, a, a completely asexual I guess, existence, and people went mm -hmm. nuts. And I said, but the follow-up question would be, are there other inherent uh, invisible traits that might we might test for blood type? Right, right, right. Is, is, is there a preponderance of a blood type that, that is not represented by the population? What about college education? Are there more college-educated people being abducted than uh, high school graduates type thing? Yeah. And, wh and why is there seeming to be a lack of, of people of color, to use the politically correct term of today's environment, a, a lack of them in the abduction population? They seem to be almost historically everybody is white. And does the abduction phenomenon in the United States match that in other parts of the world? Yeah, these are very interesting questions. Um, I think the 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 uh, uh, the people of color question might be because I don't think any of the abduction researchers go and talk to those people. A lot of the a lot of the um, uh, uh, um, abduction researchers. I mean, the, the the people come to the abduction researchers as opposed to them going out and searching for those. Although I I think ads have appeared in newspapers and that sort of thing. Yeah, but. Um, well, what if you were a black or a Hispanic or a, you know, a Vietnamese or whatever abduction researcher? Do you think that would make that? There's a good question. Is it, do you think people would answer the ad then? Who knows? Well, and do we want people who are answering an ad? Right, as, exactly. <laughs> as, as a research subject as opposed to people that we sort of search out. I'll, yeah. I, I, will, I wanted to say one other thing. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that that's not, you know, it's not true because the people, they, they don't feel like they're safe about talking about it. I don't know. It might be because it is race-based and who knows. I don't have a, a preconception about it at all. All these things I think should be on the table without getting, you know, politically excited about it just to see what's going on and, and to assure people, look, we don't have an agenda trying to say that gay people are weird and they think they've been abducted. That, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people made that assumption when you even brought that up. And, and the question was, well, what was your research sample? And I'm thinking Bud Hopkins was making, making predictions based on a research sample of nine people. Uh, we yeah. had 316 people in the sample that we talked to, and that was not a first question that we asked. It came out of the research with lots of other people. We suddenly discovered that mm -hmm. there was a disproportionate number of gay people involved uh, in the various uh, um, groups, mm -hmm. uh, abduction groups, uh, the um, you know the get-togethers like that. And we thought that was kind of an odd thing, and and wondered if yeah. it should be looked at. What about left-handed people? Are more left-handed people involved than in, are, are are generally in the population? Yeah, uh, I think Mark Rodiger did a study, and and his sample I think was like 35 people. So it's, it's certainly not a 
a, a massive yeah, yeah but he found that there were more left-handed people involved in the abduction phenomenon than you would expect but the sample size kind of argues that it may just have been been a, a blip in the in the yeah effect of a small sample size yeah yeah uh, but but these are all questions that we thought should be answered and the mm -hmm. other thing that we had said in the book and asked the other thing we said in the book was that the research had not changed in 10 years. It was all case study, what in psychology, what we'd call a case study. Mm -hmm. But here we are 20 years after the book, and it's still being done the same way. Nobody has made any advancements in the study of the abduction phenomenon. Well, hence my idea of uh, UFO research being done by small groups quietly and without any outside pressures of... Um, TV, radio, book deals, any of that stuff. I think the, the pure research, un, un, you know, unfettered pure research with people communicating by the internet um, is probably the future of things. And um, they, they should, they, thorough um, and uh, non, uh, what's the word, non-dogmatic, whatever you want to call it. But it, it, I think that freedom is not there because there's peer pressure from a lot of abduction researchers to do it that way, do that case-based instead of a statistically-based um, model and a statistic way of looking at it. This has been attempted, but so few times so far. I mean, I think you guys are probably one of the first ones. Well, the, the other thing, and, and again, we're getting close to a break here, that, that we were thinking about is that we needed to take a look at all of these sorts of things to see if we could break it down. And we noticed that um, Bud Hopkins got aliens who seem to be very scientifically cold-oriented, uh, that type of thing. Uh, David, David Jacobs got the um, uh, uh, people who believed in the hybrid philosophy, and John Mack got the people who had uh, an Eastern philosophy from the, got an Eastern philosophy from the aliens. And we asked about that, and, and uh, John Mack actually said, and I think in Bryant's book, and I think it's on page 234, said that he was, he was surprised about this matching of abduction researchers to the uh, core abduction uh, tale and wondered why that was. And we flipped it and figured that it was the actually the abduction researcher kind of implanting his philosophy on the, uh, it, it, uh, unconsciously implanting his philosophy. Yes, I would agree the, with you. On the uh, the subjects of that. Yeah, well, you, you can't really help it. I mean, it's, you have to actually make a conscious effort and in, in a way that you look at data and you go at things in a way that you that may go against what your what your core belief system is because you have to keep your belief system out of it, um, which is very difficult. And and that was the thing that we noticed that, that there was a, a, a flopping of the belief structure. And I think uh, Richard Boylan, Bo, Bo, Boylan Richard yeah. Boylan proved that when he took two women who'd come to him for uh, satanic ritual abuse and flip them over into believing they had been abducted instead. We're going to have to take another break here, and we may try to break away from abductions when we come back. Once again, <laughs> take a look at uh, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. My book on abduction, which is 20 years old, and I hate to say that, is The Abduction Phenomenon, or the, I'm sorry, The Abduction Enigma. I don't know why I said abduction phenomenon. The Abduction uh, Enigma. I will return shortly, just after this, with Greg Bishop uh, at uh, Radio Mysterioso. I don't know why I can't say that. So stick around. We'll have something more to say.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Greg Bishop has joined me today. I thought I'd just do the introduction of the segment a little bit different than most people do it. Greg Bishop is with me. We're talking about uh, UFO research in, a, I guess, a different vein, a different way of doing UFO research, or paranormal research, we, I should say. We were talking about abductions when we went away, and uh, I wanted to ask, um, we suggested, I suggested, that sleep paralysis would explain some UFO abduction cases. I, I think the Pat Roach abduction from Lehigh, Utah in 1976 is completely explained by, um, by, by sleep paralysis. Are there other similar psychological phenomenon or trashly based phenomenon that might explain some of the abductions as well that you've come across? Hmm. I'm not really an abduction person, but, uh, I think that, um, I look at it kind of as as, as like the when a, the old contactee thing. I think some of them may have had some sort of uh, experience, but in their brain trying to and their personality, and everything trying to deal with whatever that experience is, that a lot of things could get thrown into the mix and be confabulated into that story. Um, so there may be a core uh, uh, well, experience me, me... which is which is very strange to the person, but then. As soon as they start reading the abduction literature or getting an abduction researcher attached to them, it starts being tracked down that 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 pathway. Well, yeah, that's ex that's exactly right. I was I was going to interrupt you to uh, merely say that confabulation is a I guess a creation of a memory, uh, a belief in the mind that is not necessarily true. The person isn't consciously lying about something. They believe what they're saying is true, even though it isn't based in our shared reality, I guess I would say. Um, if you drink a lot, you might um, uh, confabulate the blackout periods, meaning simply that during the blackout period, you don't remember what happened, but you think you know what happened, that sort of thing. Uh, and, but it's not, not necessarily related to alcohol or alcoholism, that sort yeah. of thing. Well, the, thing, uh, the, the mistake people make is when you explore these areas, you think that we're, they're saying that people are drunk, making things up, um, insane, uh, they're gay, so we shouldn't listen to them. It's, but you're not saying that. You're saying, let's keep the door open and look at all these possibilities so that we can eliminate anything that seems to be mundane. And what is left when we eliminate the mundane? I think there's something left there in a lot of cases. I'm not sure what that is, though. Uh, well, I, you know, th that's one of the things that I've always, always thought about. I mean, if I suggested... Well, it's not just an abduction, but if I suggest a uh, solution to a case that's been a long-held case of this is a real honest-to-God flying saucer, and I say flying saucer meaning alien spacecraft as opposed to UFO, which means you know, it's, we don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. But if I provide a solution, I am surprised at the pushback. No matter how much evidence is presented, 
that this is the solution to the case. And I think Charles Witted here with the um, guys, the airline pilots who saw the cigar-shaped craft with the square windows back in 1948. And mm -hmm. I now believe what they saw was a bolide based on other similar events where we know the, the solution to the case. And I'm surprised at the pushback. Well, it, you know, it doesn't really match what they said, but the drawings look like those that uh, was the Zon 4 re-entry with the cigar-shaped craft and square, square windows, and we know exactly what it was. And if you look at, um, there's a meteor compilation on YouTube that you can look at, and it shows meteors breaking up, and you look at that, and you can see if you just saw it momentarily, it looks like a lighted a cockpit with windows behind it. Uh, yeah, but we know what be. it is Because, you know, the, the mind tends to... Um, create patterns where there may not be any patterns. So we look at all of that sort of thing, but uh, we run into that kind of pushback. And I, I, I think you've run into that kind of thing when you've offered explanations for uh, unusual phenomenon or whatever. Yeah, I, I definitely have, But the, the, which is why you said, you know, what cases interested you? I'm thinking, I don't know if cases interested me any, interest me anymore because whether you explain them or not, it really doesn't make a difference to the the, the greater part of uh, UFOs research, at least the loudest part of it, um, which is all that anybody pays attention to. Um, so the fact of trying to prove something, either prove or disprove something to people that already have a belief about it, be they for or against it, is kind of a losing proposition. It's like going into a political argument and expecting the other person to change their mind because they see how right you are. It's just, it almost, it, it statistically very <laughs> uh, unlikely that that's going to happen. So I'm not interested in convincing in anybody of anything because it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough road and you just get people mad at you. What I'm interested in really is um, answering my own questions, which I think all, all the researchers I admire, that's, that's their goal is to answer their own questions. And if, you know, if, uh, if some, some good um, research and thought and theorizing and uh, breakthroughs can be done that way, that, that's preferable and, and uh, more exciting. Well, the other thing about abduction research, and I hate to keep coming back to that, but, but, this, <laughs> thought, but this thought struck my mind and I thought it was important to get out there, is um, they did a study a number of years ago, two decades ago, where they surveyed uh, people who had claimed to be abducted. And there were four, there were five critical questions in there that proved they had been abducted. And they, they extrapolated from all of this that... Um, uh, three, three to f uh, six million people had been abducted in the United States. And I'm thinking, this is preposterous. Think of the logistics. Where are all the spacecraft hidden? Uh, wouldn't they have just filled the skies if you're abducting that many people in the United States? And what about the rest of the world? Um, so the logistics didn't make any sense to me, but you, you can't argue that with people because they just refuse to look at that. And then we found out, of course, they changed the parameters of the study when, when they, um, they, they had... Uh, I think there were six critical questions, and uh, when they when they uh, uh, studied it statistically for that, they found out the number of people being abducted was virtually zero. So they eliminated <laughs> one of the questions, and then it became the three and the six million. But and and that kind of gets back to your point, which is they were looking to validate the abduction phenomenon, not actually learn anything about it, because when their study didn't show what they wanted, they changed the parameters of the study. Yeah, and I found which... that very interesting. Yeah, and that that's happened in not just in abduction research and scientific research and everything. People are self-selecting things so that their their uh, their premise looks good. Um, it's just uh, I think it's more dangerous in this case because I think there's more of an onus on people studying this weird stuff to be a little bit more strict, uh, circumspect, and 
non-dogmatic and uh, uh, what's the word um, neutral in about in what they're talking about. But the you know the, the the culture doesn't the UFO culture doesn't allow that. You have to have something that fits the story, gets people excited, and it doesn't really matter whether it's it's quote unquote true or not. It just the, what matters is the story. I mean, just look at the recent uh, MUFON uh, uh, symposium. Took the words out of my mouth. I was about <laughs> to say that. Look at the recent MUFON symposium where they had the time traveling guys. And uh, the Star Warrior, which is the one that really annoyed me, where he was abducted from his bed, uh, fought on Mars and various planets uh, with the aliens, and then we returned to his bed 15 minutes later. Yeah, that was uh, Corey Good, I guess. Yeah, and and uh, I asked Jan Harzon specifically about that on this program. He said, well, we wanted to present an interesting program and let the membership um, decide for themselves whether this guy is telling the truth. And I said, what's to decide? It's preposterous on the face of it. No, they, that's not what they want. They want, it, they want to be popular and make money. Yeah, well, oh, I understand that. And MUFON, MUFON has moved from uh, an investigative organization to a corporation which – mission is no longer to study the UFO phenomenon, but to make money for MUFON and pay some of the people extraordinary salaries. Yeah. You had James Clarkson on, I think, about the same time I did, because I saw him in Roswell and I said, I can't believe I've never really talked to you. So uh, within a couple of weeks, he was on the show and he had just resigned when it, when he came on my show, which made, with the timing was amazing. And I think that you had him on like within two days after that. Uh, I think it was probably because you uh, I have to record on Wednesday afternoons, otherwise I'd had him on sooner. But, <laughs> but, but yes, absolutely. And and the thing was, um, he's not the only one that I've run into. I've I've just heard of, well, and I don't want to say I don't want to say it was the guy in Florida, so I won't. But <laughs> I've just heard that that uh, uh, there's been a number of other MUFON state directors who've quit over the same same problem. Yeah, and a bunch of them quit in the first place because of the because of the scandal with uh, John Ventry. And uh, that reaction to that one. And so the thing is just it, it's just imploding from the inside. And it, I think my I, I had a, a talk. I gave a talk in 2009 and I, I suggested maybe that large UFO groups cannot tackle the problem because of the nature of groups and the top down uh, nature, uh, uh, nature of human groups and people that are led by leaders and they have a certain direction. The UFO problem does not subscribe to being looked at by, by that kind of uh, organizational structure. So I was saying that maybe that organizational structure should be broken down or eliminated and people walked out of the talk. And now we're, you know, and now here nine years later or eight years later, we're seeing the, the, the result of that. Um, and I'm, I'm not to say, oh, I was right, but it's just kind of, uh, I think things are changing in a way that I think they should be, which is, like I said, towards the smaller groups and the, toward the more towards the more directed research by independent uh, 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 small groups of people or individuals. I I thought that the reason for the problems with MUFON was the the change in leadership, yeah. which they brought in a business guy. And he looked at it, this is a corporation, our job is to make money for the corporation, what can we do to make money for the corporation? And um, UFO investigation became secondary to him, it's not important, it's making money for the corporation, and I think the latest symposium proved that. Uh, they weren't bringing in people who had things to say that were important to UFO research, or people who 
could talk about specific cases in in depth, um, and you can think of any number of people who could talk about a specific case. You know, what um, Stan Gordon from Pennsylvania could talk about the Kecksburg UFO crash. Clarkson could talk about the one that he's got up in the Northwest. That mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, they're bringing in people telling these preposterous tales because they're exciting tales and they're interesting tales, but they have no basis in reality. Yeah, well, the, the other thing that Clarkson said, which I realized the reason it had gone this direction, uh, was because uh, MUFON almost went out of business a couple of times. And so th- some of these moves were out of desperation. We've got to keep this thing on a, you know, a, a financial footing where it can survive. But they went way over in the other direction. Walt Andrus had said to me, and to others, I shouldn't say just to me, but to others in around 1990, 1989, 1990, that they were moving toward embracing more new age phenomenon because that's a larger, I guess, database to, to, to draw from, a, a larger crowd to draw from than just UFOs. We, we can bring in all this other stuff. And is, is that what you find too, that the, the, the paranormal is a much larger group of individuals, a lot of different things going on? Yeah, I think, well, the thing is, if you look at the UFO phenomenon and you look at it for a while and talk to some of the witnesses and even some of the researchers who won't admit it, is there's paranormal stuff going on just besides the sightings, especially when there's closer encounters. And so I think it needs to be included. I don't think it should take over, but I think that the, uh, you, you can't deny that part of it. I, if you want to call it new age, you go ahead and call it that. But I, I think that part of it can't be denied. It should be included, but not at the expense of um, having a specific belief system or having money run the organization or a specific uh, idea about what the source of the phenomenon is run the organization. No. Um, balance is what's needed. And, and you can almost never find balance in a, in a large organization like that. It's got to be, you know, somebody's, somebody runs it with their specific idea and everybody kind of has to follow along. The thing that, that worries me and makes me feel bad is because there are hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people in MUFON that don't agree with the, 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 the way that it's being run and have their own ideas about things and are a lot more open-minded about um, uh, these subjects that we talk about. I've well, known me, this because I've spoken. Let me, I've spoken let me to break these in. places. Let me break in here because I'm running up against my break again. And you okay. know how that works. We don't have yes. a lot of time. Uh, for more information, take a look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and take a look at radiomysterioso.com to learn a little bit more about Greg Bishop and what he's doing with his organization, his organization, his his uh, program and that sort of thing. We will be back for the final segment right after this, so stick around. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, 
Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am joined by Greg Bishop, who just closed the window for some bizarre reason. There was a leaf blower outside. You don't want to hear that. I'm in Los Angeles. It's a leaf blower. Listen, listen. You hear it? (laughs) No. Oh, okay. But but we understand <laughs> we understand that in Los Angeles you can't rake leaves; you have to blow them. Yeah, you have to blow them out into the streets. So they blow right back into your driveway. Yeah, of course. Or into the neighbor's yard. Yeah. But we digress here from the importance of uh, UFO research. I wanted to say before we get much deeper, we're we're not trying to trash MUFON here, although it may seem like that because I always end up doing that. Oh, the- I was trying to stick up for him at the end there. Well, and, and that's the point. You know, we can we can kind of see what's going on here, and we understand the monetary necessity for bringing in membership, but I don't think it should be done to the exclusion of the research, which is supposedly the original mission of MUFON. Yeah, and it, 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 it has fallen off that track uh, very severely. Like I said, the, the, what I feel bad for is the people who are sincerely interested in the subject do not agree with the with the uh, direction that the, the uh, organization has taken, and still, what you know, this is their only connection to other people that are interested in the subject and and in hearing news about it. And some of them really want to do good work, and you know, they they, they have to have something to be able to do that. People are telling me it's like, well, what are they going to do without MUFON? I was thinking, well, there is if you've got an important uh, research uh, project and you think it ha- holds some water and you really want to go ahead with it, you can go and do online funding. Uh, I, I think many good things have been done with online funding, and I think that might be the future of some more important UFO researcher. Research I would I would think it's not necessarily the funding, because I know I've spent an awful lot of my money on UFO research without any expectation of reimbursement whatsoever, I just right. because it's of interest to me. But I think that it's more sharing the information with others of a similar uh, interest. I was going to say mindset, but that's not really right. It's a sim- similar interest. Um, yeah. and, and, but the internet, the internet allows you to do that as well. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't need a large organization to do that. And this can be fragmented along lines of interests. And I think that'd be great because that frees up people to, um, explore different, uh, options rather than have everybody saying, we've got to prove aliens are coming here from other planets and structured craft, which is still, I believe the, the, the MUFON credo. Well, I think if you look at the, the possibility, if you accept, um, some of the cases as authentic, that that is the most logical answer for some of them, as opposed to interdimensional beings, as opposed to time travelers from our future. But those are also possibilities. When you look yes. at it, I, you look at it, I, you know, I personally don't think it's time travel. I wished it was time travelers because there's all kinds of things time traveling would allow me to answer, you know. Uh, why did Custer really split his forces the way he did at the Little Bighorn, that dumbass? Uh, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. I mean, you could you could find out what really happened in, in some of these some of these events. Um, who was really Jack the Ripper? And I mentioned that because they just sort of ended that on history last night. Oh, or the okay. other night, I should say. But I mean, um, 
There, there I, are many I, I, possibilities, and I think they all yes. should, you know, they should be considered on their own merits, not to the even stupid sounding ones, to not to the exclusion of all the others, and the, freeing that up so that everybody has a, you know, equal say. Maybe the good stuff rises to the top, at least for the, you know, thoughtful people who pay attention. Well, the one thing that I, I always tried to do is look at each case differently. And if I have an opinion of, of, of a case, I revisit, I mean, a case or a, a subset, uh, cattle mutilations, crop circles, um, alien abduction, you know, all these subsets of ufology. You, you know, I have strong opinions about all of those things, but I revisit them periodically to see if the situation has changed significantly that maybe would override that opinion and suggest that maybe I was on the wrong track. But I don't see a lot of that going on in the UFO field. I set down my track. Cattle, cattle are being mutilated by alien spacecraft. I don't want to hear anything else, period, end of discussion. Yeah, well, I think you're extremely rare. I'm, I'm trying to be that way, where it, you base your opinions on the newest avail available information that you think is the uh, best uh, best information possible at the time, and be open at some point to having your opinion change when new information becomes available. That's how that's how you learn. That's how knowledge is gained and um, and breakthroughs are made. It's not made by saying, you know, I've I've got a certain idea about things and nobody's ever going to change my mind. That's kind of how we got in the political situation we're in now. So, and especially for something like, you know, supposedly scientific study of UFOs, you can't be that way and, and say that you're scientific. Well, that was, that was, you know, the thing that I was thinking about that I look at it that way and I just assume everybody else does, realizing, of course, that's not true. Oh, well, not at all. You know, uh, you cannot say uh, anything derogatory about specific people in the field, even though... Uh, it's clear that those people are not telling the truth, you know. Yeah. And, but, and 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 the backgrounds of some of the people are just horrendous, and and um, the the audiences flock to them, no matter what sort of horrific crimes they may have committed in the past. As long as they're, uh, I guess, understanding or or you know, reinforcing your belief structure. Well, I'm on right. board with that right there. Let me let me sit in the front row. Yeah, well, there's a host of psychological reasons why people stick with what they think is safe for them and around people that, that agree with them. And that that's, that's uh, I, I'm sorry that hasn't been inculcated out of the population. It's just getting worse. But, and the other thing we should point out is that it's not uh, just uh, related only to UFOs. And you can take, you can point to anything. Science today yeah. often is the same way. If mm -hmm. I say I do not believe climate is being changed by human uh, participation, I am suddenly a climate denier, and I'm a bad person. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not that I'm going to look at the data and say, well, you know, some of the data is a little shaky here. Um, yeah. The I'm, first I'm just thing you do, yeah, the first thing you do is say, instead of saying, you know, throwing a rock at the person, says, good, show me your data. Show me what's convinced you. Yes, absolutely. And if you can't do that, then your your ideas should be rejected. And I can think of a, a couple of things in the contactee world where they they don't show the data. It's well, we're not gonna we're not gonna denigrate ourselves to answering that question. It's unimportant. We've answered it before. Well, what's your proof? Well, we've yeah. answered that before. We're not going to go there again. So we run into that kind of problem in the UFO field. But it's also, I guess, a problem with the scientific community and the religious community and the political community and the academic community, but I could go on, but I won't.
Yes, well, old, old uh, the uh, old uh, adage from Robert Anton Wilson, which I always bring up, what the thinker thinks, the prover proves. Ah, uh, okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, well, if you've got a belief about something, you can torture any data to fit in whatever your stupid belief system is. We see it all the time. Oh, yeah, and you should you should look at all the data, and that's the problem. We, we look at the data, we cherry-pick the data. And mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people aren't consciously cherry-picking the data. They do it. They, they remember the stuff that um, reinforces their belief structure and, and kind of forget the stuff that uh, suggests maybe there's something, a, a problem with, with what you believe to be true. Yes, exactly. I got to, I got to, you know, uh, guard against that with my, for myself all the time. I try to guard against it um, because I don't want to be saying something that I can't back up. And if I can't back it up, either I shut up about it or I learn about it. Well, that was, that was the point of Roswell in the 21st century, which was the book that I did. I had come out just last year. And which my I am ID, reading. And, and you should go to Amazon and put up a wonderful review <laughs> immediately, if not sooner. But I mean, the, the point was, look at the case. Look at it as a cold case. Look at all the evidence now uh, that we, we have. And what can we say about the case that we couldn't say 20 years ago? What have we learned in the last 20 years about the case? Mm -hmm. And it, become, it, it comes to us, and I don't want to give away the ending here, but it, it comes out as not nearly the robust case that we thought it was 20 years ago or 25 years ago. Um, and, 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 and that was the important thing for me. Let's look at this and look at all the evidence. And I just posted something to my blog about General Exxon and, and one of the th stories that he told that w to me was un unimportant at the time because I was interested in Roswell. But here's a story he told about four aircraft disappearing in Kentucky in the mid-1950s chasing a uh -huh. UFO. Uh -huh. And he said it's all documented, but we could not document it, any of it. Ah. Well, there's an example for you where, yeah, where, where the uh, if, there, if there's no documentation doesn't mean it happened or didn't happen. It just means there's no documentation on it. Uh, well, but I think uh, I think it was I think it really was sort of a combination of uh, Flight 19 and the um, uh, Mantel. Man Mantel, yes, exactly Mantel. I think I think he just got the the facts confused because it was something that wasn't that important to his life at that time. Oh, so he, uh, it's not confabulation, but it's, uh, what's the word, where you take two different things and you hook them together and thought they were the same thing. There, there's a term for that, but I can't remember what it was. And we're not going to get to it today because we have only a couple of minutes left. And I'm going to take the last minute here to thank you for being on the program with me today. I think it's been a wonderful conversation. Oh, I had and a I, lot of fun. I'd do it again anytime. Okay, we'll do it tomorrow. Uh, okay. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, it's RadioMysterioso.com. Um, where, where can they find that? Uh, How do they listen in? If you go to RadioMysterioso.com, uh, there are every every um, show has a listing, and either you can either download it. There's a direct link for it, um, and uh, you can hear all the shows going back for like the last five years here. There's probably two or three hundred shows in there for everyone. Well, there you go. So take a look at that, and your your latest book is is It Defies Language, and um, also part of the uh, book uh, 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 Reframing the Debate, UFOs Reframing the Debate, which uh, is getting both good and bad reviews, which makes me very happy. Yes, I, I get a lot of negative reviews for my, my stuff as well, so I understand that. <laughs> well, let me uh, thank you for being on the program with me today. And All right, uh, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to do this again sometime soon, I think. Um, that was Greg Bishop. 
And um, as I said, it's RadioMisterioso.com to take a look at him. Uh, you can find more information in my blog, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And there's a lot of uh, shows on the um, uh, X-Zone Broadcast Network that uh, um, you might want to listen to as well. I probably do want to listen to because there's a lot of good shows on there as well. We will be back in 167 hours with another edition of A Different Perspective. And if you get a chance, take a look at Roswell in the 21st Century. I think it'll answer a lot of questions that haven't been answered uh, before. So thank you for joining us today.